Once again, we're recording from my kitchen table, so there's going to be a lot of ambient noises. Not that it was that quiet before. I mean, there's always ambient noises in Hong Kong. Yeah, so nothing has changed. That, that was the announcement. How's it going? Good, thanks. Really excited to do a episode in person, second episode in the same room. Feels like back to 2018. It's like we've gone back in time. Yeah, I was telling Sharice it's way easier to edit too. Yeah. And it's snappier. There are less pauses, everything. I mean, we're snappier in person as well. More bants. Yes. Yeah. More bants. Also more physical humor. I must let everyone know that Sharice jacked my perfume slash cologne of choice we don't know who started wearing it first dude how how many bottles have you gone through i'm done with the one bottle but i only use like one spray per time anyway walk in and then second question eugene asked me is like what perfume are you wearing and then after i told him he was like shit that's what i own and now i can't wear it anymore guys we can't be smelling the same on the record it's which one is it mojave ghost yes that's the one by rado so if any of you listeners out there it's a good smell, also though. own that, it is good. Which then is interesting. How often in this day and age do you come across the same scent as somebody? it's clearly unisex. Yeah. I think it's unisex. Yeah. I'm trying to think about that because what other, I mean, it's very hard to identify the same smell. Also, I wonder what is the percentage of people that have, you know, a collection of perfumes. I know actually Malin has a ton. He probably has like five or six Barreiros. Yeah. Yeah. He probably has many also that are not Barreto. Yeah. Um, I would be curious. Maybe we should do a... Survey. We should do a survey, and then next week we can talk about fragrances. Yeah. Pretty interesting stuff. All right, let's get going. This is Making It Up, co-hosted by myself, Sharice Poon, and Eugene Can. We come together on a weekly basis to talk about things that we are interested in, have questions about, want to get each other's thoughts on. Making It Up is produced by Makin, which is original storytelling at its purest, through captivating audio, engaging words, and beautiful visuals. Making It Up is an exercise in analyzing and dissecting important movements in creative culture. It's an opportunity to sound off on each other and make sense of the complex, intertwined world we live in. We try to come to some sort of conclusion in order to be helpful to you, our listeners, but really we are working through things and we appreciate you working through them with us. If you like what you hear and want to help keep us going, you can support us on patreon.com slash makin. Okay, my subject this week is a few and ASICs take community engagement to the next level. What this is, is that ASICs and a few are currently in the midst of doing a community choice sneaker. So it is the 30th anniversary of the Gel Light 3, which is a lot of years, in my opinion, yeah. for a sneaker. And they want to celebrate the Gel Light 3. And so they started off by just asking their community, their audience, which collaboration of that footwear did you like the best? Okay. And then people said the outcome of that was they like the a few Gel Light 3 best. So then they ran with that and they got the original designer of the Gel Light 3, Mitsui san, to work with a few again, plus using a community-led process of additional polls that will lead up to a final commemorative collaborative shoe that I assume will be on sale, but no further details yet on that. In full transparency, Adam Studios does work for ASICs, so but just a heads up. I actually picked this subject 
Yeah. You, well, I also know that Adam Studios does work for ASICs, but we did not decide to do this for any marketing reason or any like direct relationship yeah. with this Gel i3 collab. In all fairness, we have talked about community-led design before. We have. That's actually one of the things I wanted to talk about. So this podcast is kind of community-led design. Yes. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. Oh, just I'm reading ahead. my notes. Okay. So first of all, I want to tell you a little bit more. They're running the whole thing on Instagram. So it's all being run through Instagram posts and Instagram stories. So they will post a post that says, hey, we're voting on this now. But then the way you vote is in IG stories. And so they're using like the polling and the answer sticker, whatever those are called. They use a slider. For some of them anyways. Okay. Well, they just use different of the existing Instagram tools, tools yeah. to, to conduct this whole thing. So it's not like any separate tool or separate website, which I think is pretty clever. And so far, the community has voted on favorite colors, a mood board, materials. And right now, you can give your feedback on details. One thing I like about it is the surprise element because they haven't released some kind of general timeline. So you don't actually know what comes up next, like how many different rounds of choices you're going to go through. And it's still a surprise what the ultimate shoe is going to look like. So Mitsui-san and a few still get their own artistic direction when it comes to the final shoe. So you had alluded to this about talking about community choice. I want to ask you if you remembered, we talked about in episode 116, I looked this up. <laughs> I don't have this like dictionary of the making it up episode. We talked about Archibald London and Style Forum. Yes. Yeah. I recall. Okay. So I saw this subject when you shared it in the Discord. And I immediately remember that conversation about Archibald London and Style Forum. And I remember us kind of hating on it. We didn't think it was great, essentially. Correct. And then I wanted to talk about what the difference is. Can you clarify what the mechanism was for the Archibald London one? Yes. I think that's a big difference, too, if I recall correctly. So the Archibald London one was worth Style Forum, and they just had a different brief altogether. So that's one of the big differences is that essentially Style Forum was tasked with coming up with the perfect sneaker. And they began from scratch, like from zero, picking every single part of the sneaker and doing really minute details like the width of the lapels the exact length of the vamp the correct number of lace holes this is from a gq article written by daniel penny and they were given a lot of time to basically obsess over these details and one of the reasons i think the result maybe wasn't as hoped for is because the final sneaker wound up looking a lot like the common projects yeah. sneaker. No. Is that what you wanted me to say about the mechanism? I think, I think in part, yeah. But well, it was it more discussion-based. Like, it wasn't a poll base at all. Yeah. It was discussion-based. Wasn't it a survey? It was a survey too, right? Oh, you're right. They created an online survey. So I don't remember if it was as pointed because I think there's a discussion to be had around free reign and the downfalls of free reign like kind of this is how I look at it. This might be another topic we can explore within this is, you know, everyone's always saying think outside the box, but is that actually the right way of approaching it? Yeah. I, mean, I always think about like create the sandbox and then whatever's inside the sandbox is up for interpretation and things you can play around with. 
Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons why the ASICs a few community sourcing works better is because you're working with the Gel i3. So you already know what the sneaker model and is. And also the things that you're surveyed against or pulled against are predetermined. What do you mean? Like they're they're picking and choosing, you know, things that you can speak about. Like, for example, let's say there's like a really garish color of like orange. They just don't include it in there. Yeah. Right. Versus if it's open for interpretation, you can suggest random things and it actually fragments the general agreement on things. Hmm. Well, I think one also a difference, though, is that so on the IG stories, at least for this latest round for the details, they are allowing people to type whatever they want. But I think there's also a difference in the format that they're using to execute this. So IG stories, it's much more immediate. It's quick. You don't need that much deliberation. Answers are shorter versus mm -hmm. what you were saying about like the online survey. It's really like taking a test. Yeah. So there's something nice, I think, about the spontaneity that ASICS captures. There's another point of difference that I think is relevant to us as Macon, which we were literally just talking about this morning, which is that the Gel Light 3 is positioned as this celebration. You know, it's the 30th anniversary, it's a big number. They have this whole legacy they can talk about. They can tap into their audience's nostalgia with different models. And I think that starting point is much more lighthearted. It's happy, essentially. Whereas like the Archibald Forum, um, Archibald London Style Forum collab is kind of more arduous because you're like putting a lot of pressure on making this perfect sneaker. Mm. It feels like this is this momentous task. And I say that Eugene and I were talking about it because we were talking about Macon's five-year anniversary. Oh, anniversary makes it sound like a big deal, but essentially like Macon's birthday of being in existence There is years. an exact date. I think it's in November, I think. Can I, yeah, yeah, in all honesty, the way this even came up was we've been trying to make our Instagram a little more authentic. I was like, I don't want to say rough around the edges. I just think it's like more things that are happening that aren't just purely narrative driven. Like this is a story posted. It's like things we're doing. Right. And, and this was one of the first things that we were trying to focus on. And we put it up and I didn't like the initial copy that was written for it. And I'm like, oh, why don't we just talk about like, oh, it's kind of the fifth year anniversary. So it was honestly was not something we deliberated on or I, it was just like, hey, I'm going to change the copy. And it's like, this is where we're at. Yeah, but it got good responses, yeah. and I liked seeing it. I didn't know it was going up. In that's advance. The thing is like, it's also something that's atypical. Like, we wouldn't post photos of ourselves, generally he, speaking. Eugene said that with such disgust, complete disappointment in himself yeah. for posting a photo. How dare of we do that? I think okay. There's no wonder Eugene's not into this because he's not into his own birthday. But I like <laughs> correct. I like celebrations and I think there's something nice about events that we can all come together over. I think that's the point of things like this. Mm -hmm. It's not about like making a big deal about one person or in this case, one product, but it's like, oh, it's a excuse almost to do something celebratory. Yep. And there's really little, I was just thinking about like, the ASICs, a few collab, there's not a lot to hate on. 
because it's easy to be like, oh, 30 year anniversary of this like classic shoe. Like we should do something. Yay. Yeah. If anything, any sort of hate is arguably removed from the focus on the the executing parties. Mm. It's like if you don't like it, it's like, well, what are you going to say? The community voted, right? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you can not like the final result in the sense that maybe you don't buy it. Yeah. You know, but I think the process is is hard to say this yeah. isn't a good thing that you shouldn't be doing. Like, I think procedurally it was set up quite well because there were colorways and I think materials and whatnot. They were already somewhat synergistic. It wasn't just like pick from the rainbow, pick from the little. Yeah. The little yeah, dropper yeah, yeah, tool, yeah. right? Yeah. Like that makes a huge difference. There's clearly some amount of creative direction already in it. Yeah. And I wanted to use this as a parallel to making it up because as of the last few episodes, we also initiate some sort of community-led process. It's not really design. It's like programming process, right? Where we will ask people based off a list of topics that I curate, which I think is in some ways a problem too, but I'll get to that afterwards that people can then pick and choose and you know it's not 20 topics it's not three topics it's, it's usually eight to ten eight to ten topics and i personally don't put it out there unless i think i have some point of view because there's a chance it's gonna be chosen yeah so already that in some ways will lead to a certain product yeah right and it, it actually the whole funnel itself which is why for me personally like this is tangential is that it's both a blessing and a curse to have someone that oversees the creative direction of something. That first layer. Because in some ways, it's always going to be very clear and distinct as to what it represents. But then it also doesn't allow that much room for new exploration or discovery. So as long as I'm the one that's curating the link list for the make and briefing, it'll always be through the lens of Eugene. As long as I'm the one choosing the topics to potentially talk about on making it up, it'll always be through the lens of Eugene. No, it's true. I don't deny that that is what happens. I mean, sometimes I pick my own topics if I feel like I'm not interested in anything, but it's rare. Very rare. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often. I usually just pick from Eugene's list. But do you personally see some sort of underlying narrative in terms of the topics you're you're fed? I know what type of things you're interested in. Yeah. So often they are, I mean, there was that moment in MIU history where you were so interested in all things crypto and there were so many crypto articles. I could not take and it I went anymore. Through a phase of capitalism. I could not talk about another crypto article. I mean, there are recurring things in what I'm interested in too. And it's just the way it's going to be. MIU is always going to be subjects that you and I lean towards. Otherwise, yeah. we're not going to talk about it for 45 minutes. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted to say also similarities to the way MIU takes place now is that we don't make this promise that we're going to do the majority rule. Yeah. So that's not how MIU works. Like if everyone voted for one and two, but actually we did seven and eight. Yeah, that's OK. I think so. I think that's OK because we took it into advice and that's actually going to be the same, I would assume, with ASICs. And actually any brand that does something similar of community sourcing, obviously there's an element where you have to do a part of what the community says because that's about trust, yeah. right? But at the same time, it's not like it's not like voting for a politician. Like we have to go with like the majority in this sense because it's a law. It's just we're taking it as a recommendation. Yeah. I also wanted to talk more generally about other 
brands and products that I think do similar things to ASICs. So ASICs this time is just like this one-off deal, but we know of brands who regularly do pre-orders or who do rounds of products. So for example, I'm thinking of Painter, the corduroy jacket. Painter is this really small brand out of the UK and they do their products by drops. So they only make like certain batches of like several hundred of a product. And they quite regularly do community sourcing by asking what materials people are interested in for the next jacket or what colors as mm -hmm. well. But they're a much smaller brand. So I feel like yeah. their relationship is probably quite close yeah. with their audience. And then also we talked about Telfar, remember? Yeah. Where they did pre-orders. Yeah. I, I'm interested in that because, you know, we're in the midst of releasing T-shirts. But also yeah. the thing that I'm curious about is like just colors. Right. What do you mean? Like what colors do you pick for T-shirt bodies and whatnot? Oh, yeah. I mean, I we have here to that. say that we should do that for we should do something community related for our make it and product drop. Yeah, we should do it then. All there, right. It's been decided on this. This is like another broader topic. Like sometimes we just get paralyzed by trying to make the most perfect arrangement and or process. And that doesn't really exist. So, yeah. I yeah, just and need I mean, to like throw it out there. It's similar to what you said about MIU subjects where it's actually already gone through a first pass of creative direction anyway. It's not like we would put out options that we didn't believe in. Yeah. One more thing. A reason why I picked this is because so the way you share the topics in Discord is you write like one sentence about each subject, like each link, and you used all caps to write about this one. And you said... I quote, swear to God, I had this idea at Hypebeast like five years ago before the Hypebeast Exodidas Ultra Boost. And then I couldn't tell if you were worked up because you were upset oh. that you came up with it five years ago or you were oh, excited. I, I, at this point, I, I don't think any idea is really precious because if you don't execute it, it means nothing. But I just was actually more excited if someone did it and did it well. Oh, okay. That's what I was like, oh. Like I was not precious to the idea that, oh, they stole my idea because it was never that. It was more like, hey, you know what? I'm really happy someone did it and executed it at a high level. Okay. That's a lot more clear then. I thought you like wanted I should have lulled. Or should something. I have lulled or no, something? No, it's hard to interpret people's tone of voice in text. But what did I say afterwards? I said something else. I said something else afterwards, didn't I? You just said, I like the idea of community voting on outcomes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, while I'm looking at the Discord right now, we got a comment from a Macon Patreon supporter, Andrew, who said, I also like the idea of a more open source process. So while the ASICS campaign isn't anything groundbreaking, it does highlight the approach that brands handing over the reins will become more important in the future. Yeah, we've all recognized that brands these days need to be so community focused more than ever. And maybe that is one of the big shifts in that previously you wanted someone to come in and creatively direct something and serve it to you now that creative direction exists but it's arguably it's more invisible it's more like me picking and choosing the decisions for you to make versus me like picking and choosing the versus me picking and choosing everything and then producing it it is an interesting question that you've just raised whether a consumer would be more excited about a product that's really creatively driven by someone they're excited about 
like the original designer of this model, Mitsui-san, would someone be more excited by him just having total free reign? Yeah. Versus this where they know that while there was creative direction, it was also community sourced. I look at it from the perspective of involving more parties and having more skin in the game. Because mm-hmm. even though, however inconsequential, you sliding that slider to make a decision, you're part of the process. So if and when that shoe releases and you're aware of it, you might in some way feel like you're part of that. Mm-hmm. And that instantly expands like a spider web, right? Of people that have had an impact on that shoe. Obviously, how you how much credit you want to take for that's whatever but i'm just saying like people will feel much more a part of that product yeah i guess what i'm thinking about is maybe there are probably products where this doesn't work as well for where people have a perception of it being that are more like art where they really want to have like the hand of the creator in it and so they wouldn't want it to be community source because they would want it to be evident that it was made by abc Mm. person that's all i got Cool. I think we covered everything I had wanted to talk about. Should we move on? Let's do it. All right. My topic this week, The Wild Silence by Drew Austin of The Kneeling Bus. So one thing we've experienced due to Corona is the reduction of content of a certain type. In the very beginning stages of this piece, Drew Austin shares a quote from Max Reed, who says that Instagram cut off from a steady supply of vacations and parties and other covetable experiences had grown unsettlingly boring, its inhabitants increasingly unkept and wild eyed, each one like the sole surviving astronaut from a doomed space colonization mission. So based on that, what he's trying to say is the source of constant travel and experience aspiration has been cut off and in some ways it's made Instagram boring. I don't think it's just travel though. I mean, travel and like I said, experience aspirations so oh, okay. concerts and stuff like that. Okay. Got you. Missed that bit. Yeah. And as Drew states, perhaps there are certain things you've stopped yourself from sharing. And for me, I, not for me personally, but things that I think have been maybe toned down a bit are showy flashes of consumerism. So knowing the world around you is, potentially struggling like should you really be sharing like this big extravagant purchase right that's one way of looking at it i've used this analogy before as it pertains to withholding experiences but for those who have kept quiet and this is a quote perhaps the act made you question whether your unshared experience was even real or just a tree falling silently in the forest obviously we know that our lack of documentation doesn't mean it didn't happen but rather reframes what's important right is it the act or the documentation itself? I have a lowbrow phrase to say what you just said. Yeah. Which is picks or it didn't happen. Yes. That's what we've been trained recently, to yeah. act as. So Drew also goes on to mention the efforts of the late Mark Fisher, an author who I can actually say this for once. I can say I've read his work. I haven't. Congrats. Yeah. What did he write? So as a side note, Fisher is an author who questioned the whole sort of paradigm of capitalism. And he said that it's easier to imagine the end of the world than capitalism because capitalism becomes such a dominant experience generating sort of narrative. So everything we do becomes so dominant 
and just like thrust down our throats. It's a really depressing but true statement. It's so hard to picture living in this world without capitalism under completely different systems and structure. And while it sounds wild, it's a lot easier to imagine the world yeah. ending. Also in that vein, there's a reference in this piece towards something written by Dean Kissick for Essence. And he says that when a distinctly niche or localized subculture first hits the internet, it is voraciously absorbed for its singular authenticity. So I was recently part of this clubhouse group sort of panel discussion co-hosted by Joa Spearman of Localer, like a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. And our discussion on authenticity was really interesting because it sort of spoke to like, why do we seek authenticity? And why is it so important? Why are we always trying to understand what authenticity is? And I think at its very core, one of the interesting points was like, authenticity is joy. The ability to be yourself and to do things without necessarily having to think about how I'm positioning myself relative to everything else, right? Mm. It's authentically me. But on top of that, I think when you remove capitalism from the equation, it's the purity of the idea and the thoughts that are elevated. And that to me is actually one of the most important mm. things because the minute you add in a layer of monetization, fundamentally it has to change in a way because there's different competing outcomes. Yeah. One thing I find interesting about the statement you've just made regarding authenticity and joy is that you said you can be authentically yourself without having to think of yourself in reference to other people. Is that correct? That's, I think, in, in a way, like I'm sort of paraphrasing, trying but to- But I feel like you can be authentically yourself considering yourself as part of the world as opposed to an isolated individual. Correct. I think this is actually another topic that spun off of that was authenticity also has a different perspective in a sort of Western individual world. Right. Versus like an Asian culture. Yeah. Which I don't I've know. Just, if, I've just said the very Asian thing. Yeah. Like that's kind of what you're saying. Because I actually mentioned that too, because what's authentic is me being part of the culture that presides over me. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that first statement can be, while I understand where it's coming from, it can also be positioned as I can only be authentically myself when I have no connection to the people around me, when I'm able to be free from the people influencing me and i think that that's not necessarily authenticity mm -hmm. and but i do agree that authenticity separate from capitalism is a really interesting idea it's really really hard to put yourself in that mindset isn't it yeah because we're just so subconsciously trained on every single level to exist in a capitalistic society well let's go back to the thing around sharing right sure sharing photos yeah if you look at the whole chain reaction of sharing something what is the final outcome like it does it start and stop so it's me at an event wanting to share with you the experience but it doesn't stop there instagram is mining that to then refine it into something that could be repackaged and sold to advertisers so even though our intent when we share it's pure. Pictures of our picnic, yeah, is not capitalistic. Gen generally speaking. Gen I mean, it could be. Like, you could say we're kind of increasing our personal brand, et cetera. But let's say that we're just sharing because we had a good time with friends. No matter what our reason for posting is, because we're working within these systems of 
Instagram and social media platforms that becomes used in capitalistic ways. Correct. There's just no escaping that unless you just don't share. But it's like, it's, I was thinking about this. If I don't share, then how do you like communicate given where people spend their time? And like, how do you send a message out these days? That is actually the most difficult and challenging thing is you could go cold turkey on the, not the internet, but social media. Sure. But then how do you communicate with people? Because the existing formats just don't have that same distribution. Yeah. Or that's where people don't spend their time. Yeah, it's true. I don't know the answer to that. And maybe the answer is that we need more social media platforms that aren't our currently existing ones. Yeah. And we need to go there and spend time with each other there instead. I wonder what happens if there was like an approach. Like obviously Instagram is successful because that's where everyone is. But what does Instagram lose and win? Obviously they win with an algorithm because it keeps you engaged. But what do they lose or potentially win in other ways if there was like two feeds your timeline which is chronological and your timeline which is algorithmically driven like this isn't like nothing new yeah 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 right well i just don't think i don't know part of me feels like when has a product gone so far that it can't be reformed and you know instagram being owned by facebook is it so far that it cannot be reformed i think when you're a publicly traded company yes i actually came across this small social media platform that i don't know a whole lot about but it's called Somewhere Good. Hang on, let me look it up. Okay, it's it's called Somewhere Good. And their tagline is a social playground made for us. Are you coming? They describe themselves as you deserve somewhere online that centers your stories, dreams, and futures. Somewhere designed by black and brown folks invested in your well-being and joy. You deserve a better social platform. So we built one. And I actually don't have any more information because I don't think they are functioning yet. Like they don't have it up and running they just have a website and are telling people about this but i'm really interested in this proposition of a better social platform that helps you find actual well-being and joy and i would assume that somehow it has to be separate from the algorithms and capitalistic system of instagram i guess i guess the question is are algorithms a necessary component of capitalism wait i'm trying to work through that but you know what i'm saying right like without capitalism there wouldn't be a need for algorithms i mean that's not true because there are algorithms yeah i know what i mean like obviously yeah. there's not I, mean, I, I know what you mean yeah. as well and sorry i'm yeah. like being intentionally uh misunderstanding you i guess so because like why do we need data collection except to better advertise to, or to better serve you a product to buy yeah because i would say because shouldn't we be in control as individuals of what we see, which in theory is what you're doing when you follow people on Instagram, you're saying yourself, this is what I'm interested in seeing. Show me this. But then Instagram modifies what you've indicated with the, you know, their black box yeah. of this is what we'd actually like to show you. I was I'll- interested in a part of this. I don't feel like we really talked about, which is, where Drew Austin writes about that strange feeling of not sharing and then wondering if the event happened because you didn't share. Mm. And I think that's an interesting psychological thing. I think that moment exists with a very short 
half-life mm-hmm. so the next day you won't even think of twice about it but it does maybe in that moment create a little bit of cognitive dissonance where you're like hey i should be sharing this mm-hmm. i get that a little bit when i shoot film because for example i got my photos back oh you know a few weeks ago i had a pizza party and i never at the moment thought i needed to share this at that moment you know one weird thing that i've always thought about that this just is tangentially related to is you know how mostly on social media we share happy things yeah and a lot of it has been written about like what that effect has on other people but i also wonder about what that effect has on us does sharing the happy things help us remember them better or does it like you're saying result in like cognitive dissonance where we don't properly process the unhappy things because we're directly shielding it and pushing it to the wayside i guess so actually that's a really interesting point but i don't know if difficult i don't know if difficult moments are that easy to unremember like regardless of whether or not you have this thing i think the pain still lingers right i think what i'm curious about is you know how in a happy moment let's say like we're having dinner together and you take out your phone and you share the food because you're genuinely happy like oh had dinner with Sharice kind of thing does that even that small action of recording it and posting it and writing a line about it do something to that memory that we don't have for unhappy things yeah because you know how people talk about writing and journaling about all aspects of your life i almost wonder if in a weird way posting on social media helps us do that for the good parts of our life but doesn't help us do it for the bad parts it would be interesting to see what would happen if you cataloged and shared shitty moments like it doesn't happen that often it happens once in a while like i'm not saying that instagram is devoid of that but I, i also wonder if people default to sharing an unhappy moment like psychologically i don't think so yeah psychologically i don't think so and even though instagram's not devoid of unhappy things usually it's shared when they've been processed already like oh i can encapsulate this now in a way that makes sense to like me and other people we don't do it with the same like spontaneity and casualness as we do like i said like dinners yeah but that thought has just occurred to me so could be half-baked I do want to touch a little bit more on culture that exists without documentation. So the reason why, from a media perspective, you want to document things is for the preservation of culture and for historical remembrance, right? Sure. In other ways, people don't look at it from such a profound angle. Yep. But if we don't have this intentionality behind sharing and we just want to live in the moment, do do we lose anything by not sharing it? Like do subcultures, if there is no capitalistic intent behind it, does it matter if 10 people partake or 100,000 people partake? Mm, interesting. I would say no. I think that the, the only, the things that come with the monetization of something probably don't necessarily change the innate sort of feeling people get from partaking. So for example, like a book club doesn't need to go digital for it to be a better book club because already it's such a great feeling for me to just yeah. do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's interesting that we're talking about sharing explicitly on social media, but I also think that 
if we don't talk about sharing on social media, but just sharing on the internet in general with a global community, I do think that is important for subcultures because something does change about a subculture when it's 10 people in Hong Kong doing something and then you are able to connect and relate to 10 people in Amsterdam doing the same thing. Yeah. Whatever that I is. Agree. That's, that's a good, really that's a good exciting. Point. Yeah. But that doesn't have to happen on Instagram, except part of the problem of the way society is set up is that Instagram is the best place where that could happen. Mm -hmm. Like it could happen on Reddit, which yeah. is maybe slightly better, slightly less capitalistic. Yeah. They still have ads, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I you, get it. You get my point. Yeah. Yeah. You had a question you wanted to ask about what has changed our reason behind not sharing. Yeah. And what I mean by that is when we choose to not share, like why have we decided to take a step back from social media and sharing? Is it because of adjacent pressures? Like, do like you feel pandemic? weird? Yeah. Like, do you want to share something when everyone else, like you don't know what anyone else is doing? Like, I mean, for me, I found me caring less. I think that that's one thing that the, the COVID layer has introduced to a lot of things is just less polish is okay. Yeah. Like looking underneath the hood is okay. If not something people want to see more of. Yeah. And I think it's like, maybe there's a lot of things coming at me at once where I'm like thinking to myself, how much of this stuff do I really need to continue? Like keeping bears up like buckets mm. of my personality. Because, I mean, what's authentically me is probably not just what I write in a newsletter or what I talk about in making it up. But do it's also like thinking from a very centralist perspective, like it, it doesn't even matter if I have multiple personalities or like ways of thinking or in, ways of interacting with people. It doesn't really matter, to be honest. It's like very selfish in that regard. Well, maybe it minutely makes you feel better. It might. As an individual that you don't have to fragment yourself hey, in different places. That's a good point. You're welcome. Yeah, no. But I think in closing for me, it's just realizing that sharing yeah. under its current mechanism has consequences, oddly enough. Mm. Like you sharing your favorite unknown restaurant has consequences, both positive and negative. And that's one of the most interesting things about the internet is that Good intentions can so quickly be misaligned into bad intentions or negative outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So don't share. Keep so, everything to yourself. I, I don't think that's the answer. I don't think that's the answer. If we just talk about it more, if we're more aware of what's happening when we behave online and on social media platforms, I think that will eventually result in enough momentum to cause change. I guess what I'm trying to say is if we talk about just the fact of there being consequences to sharing, then eventually we'll make a decision to do something about it. Whatever that is. Yeah. Good place to wrap things up. Yeah. All right. If you are interested in hearing more about Macon, reading and listening to some of our stories focused on the sights and sounds of creative culture, you can visit us at makean.com, M-A-E-K-A-N.com. You can subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and platforms. If you like this podcast, you can do us a huge favor by sharing this podcast with a friend or supporting us via patreon.com slash Also, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email myself at sharice at makean.com, C-H-A-R-I-S, or Eugene at Eugene at We love hearing from you. I'm Eugene. I'm Sharice. And this is Making It Up. <laughs>